This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Today, we're in a series all about our souls. In general, your soul is a combination of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It drives almost everything about you. Your choices, your daily attitude, your thoughts all flow from your soul. You'd be wise to learn how to keep it submitted to God. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. Y'all are excited now. We laughed, we cried, we prayed. Now let's get free. Let's get free. I want to continue on dealing with the soul, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this has been the best thing that ever happened to me. This has been the best series of messages that I have ever done in my life to understand truly what's going on inside of me, to truly understand why we are where we are and who we are is so, so critical, so important. And I want to piggyback off something that Marcus said last week, a couple of things. Actually, I want to reference, I probably referenced the scripture that he used. But he said this, he said that if every member of your soul does not reflect Christ, you can't pick some. You can't pick one or two to reflect him. All of the members of your soul has to reflect God. And man, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is so sweet. This is so, so sweet. So today we want to deal with rest for my soul. Rest for my soul. We looked at the effect the soul has on the outcome and the future of our, of our lives, the heart, the mind, the will, the memory, the conscience, the imagination, they all come together and they determine the direction that our lives will go. They decide. And we're going to look at the soul like we've never seen it today. And basically starting right here. And I want to tell you in advance what it is. The soul is actually divided. It's in chaos. Mind is failing to apply himself to the issues that need to be dealt with. Imagination is off on some rabbit trail following a new idea. Will is reading the ride act to the rest of the members because they're all separated and divided. They're in an uproar. So he's reading the ride act to them. And conscience is not impressed at what is going on with the other members. And, and heart will go along with anything as long as it makes him feel good. And memory is taking notes of all that's going on. And I want you to see that there is no one common denominator among the members of the soul. And the great need, and, and we need this today, is for someone to come and take that vacant chair. You remember I told you six, six members of the soul and there's an empty chair, and we need the Spirit of God to come in and do and take that place and give leadership and direction to the rest of the members of the soul. And that's what 
let me say, supposed to happen when we give our lives to Christ, give our lives to Christ, okay? So the question that needs to be asked, how can you find rest for your soul with all that is going on in the soul? How can you find rest when the soul is in turmoil with each part pulling in a different direction? How will you find rest for your soul? James 1.8 tells us, he said, he is a double-minded man, and he's what? In all his ways. In other words, when the soul is not on one accord, you are double-minded and you're unstable in not some of your ways, but all of your ways. If the mind does not know where it is going, you will be on an unstable path and there is and will be restlessness in your very soul. You're going to be restless. I don't know about y'all. I don't know about nobody in this building, but one person I can speak for, and that is me. I have experienced restlessness because the members of my soul are not in one accord and all in agreement. Okay? That is why it is possible to have a good job, a happy home, and on the inside, a sense of restlessness and emptiness in the soul. There's so many folks in this world, they got everything, they got all the stuff, and we actually have been deceived to believe that if we just had this, life would be better. If I could just, if I just had more money, if I could just get a better job, if I had a spouse, or if I had this or I had that, my life would be better. And the soul is still restless even when you get those things. And I wonder if any of you have sensed this restlessness of soul, the place where you just, I mean, it, on the outside, everything looks good. But on the inside, I, just, I don't have it together. I don't have it together. In Psalms 131 and 2, he says, this is David talking, he said, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a winged child with his mother, like a winged child is my soul within me. And basically what David is saying is, when a, when a, when a woman gets ready to wean a child from her breast, you're talking about screaming. You're talking about firing up a room. This joker got a set of lungs on him. He wants what he wants. And David said, that's the way my soul is. He said, it's screaming like a child being weaned. But David said, that is what his soul was like. He said, that's what my soul was like. And now he says, he has stilled his soul like a weaned child. The screaming has stopped. And the child is resting beside his mother. And you might want to ask the question, how can that happen? Because mine is still screaming. It's still screaming. How can you find rest for a broken heart, a frustrated will, a hungry imagination, and an unhappy memory, and for a burdened conscience? How can you steal a confused and perplexed mind? How do you find rest 
for your soul. Now everybody know they got beds for us to sleep in, rest for our body. When you're riding down the highway, they got rest areas for you to pull off on. If you get tired, they got hotels for you to sleep in. But I've never been riding down the highway, went to any place, and they said, pull in here so you can get rest for your soul. Nowhere. Nowhere. I cannot find rest for my soul. And see, this is what drives us to pleasure, trying to quiet the restlessness in our soul. And this is where I want to use the, the, the scripture that Marcus used last week about the woman at the well. When the woman was at the well and Jesus had sent his disciples into town and, and she was there at the well and, and, and Jesus asked this Samaritan woman, he said, give me to drink. And she was confused that he being a Jew and I a Samaritan, we don't have no dealing with each other. And he asked me to give him the drink. And the woman, Jesus said to the woman, he said, now, he said, now this water, you're going to have to come here every day and, and get refreshed. But he said, the water that I have, he said, it's going to spring up in you into everlasting life. And he said, you won't have to come back no more. And that woman said, I want some of that water. And she said, how is he going to give me this water when he don't have anything to dip with? So she's thinking it's natural. But this, and, then, and, then, and then Jesus said, he dealt with the issue where her thirst was the greatest. He said, go call your husband. And she said, I have no husband. Jesus said, what you say is true. The one you have is not your own and you already had five. In other words, this is what he was saying. He was saying, now you are seeking to satisfy your soul with a man. And he said, as long as you keep doing that, you're going to have to keep doing that. And see, most of us have tried to satisfy our soul with stuff and things and pleasure and money and tra travel and trips and things we like to do. We try to satisfy our soul. But let me tell you something. If you do that, you got to go ahead and plan the next trip. Go ahead and buy the next gadget. Go ahead and look for the next toy because it's not going to satisfy your soul. How do I bring peace among the members? No one can live happily with a restless soul. And see, the devil got us deceived into believing that if we go out and gain all this stuff, but he said, what does it profit a man if he gain the world and lose his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We think that if I got enough money in the bank, then I can retire and rest in peace. But there's a man that tried that. He said, my bonds are overflowing with plenty. I have more than enough. And I say to my soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Bible says, thy fool, this night shall your soul be required of you. And who shall those things be that you have stored up? Who's going to get all that stuff? See, he thought all this stuff satisfied his soul. But it didn't. Psalm 62 and 1 says, only in God does my soul rest. From him comes my saving health. Let me say this to you. If you, when God created, when, when God spoke for plants to come forth, what did he tell them to come from? Out of the ground. 
when he said for the, for the sea to be filled, for the waters to be filled, where did the fish come from? They made it in the water. So if you take a plant out of the ground, what happens? If you take a fish out of the water, what happens? And he said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. And you were created in the image of God, made in the presence of God. And when you take yourself out of his presence, what happens? Same thing. Same thing. We're made in the image of God. That's who we are. God placed within us a thirst that only he can feel. Your soul will only find rest in God alone. Try what you want. Go where you will. Buy what you can. But you're still going to be restless. There's no rest in that stuff. There's no peace in that. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. He said, I am the prince of peace. He said, if you want peace, come to me. It's in God alone. St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourselves, for yourself. So our souls are restless until it, it's, until it finds its rest in you. There's no other place where your soul can find rest. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Buy what you want. Do what you want. Do what you will. Travel and see. Go see whoever. Go to this. Go to that. And when you get through, you still got a restless soul. Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 says this, And all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And, conjunction, junction, those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In other words, intimately acquainted. That's why I put that word know in blue, because the, the law of first mention is the word know. Adam knew Eve. He became intimately acquainted and, 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 and conceived. And so what I want you to see is you can't know the Son. Nobody knows him except the Father, and nobody knows the Father except the Son, and to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And remember this, when the woman at the well said, I want that water that springs up into everlasting life. And the Bible says, what is everlasting? What is eternal life? To know God. So he says, the only way that you're going to have everlasting life is to know God. And the only way you're going to ever know God is you got to come to Jesus. Your soul find rest in God alone. So the greatest question is, how can you know this God whom your soul can only find rest? And the answer is there in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, 27, the second part. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And I want you to understand that this is the totality of Scripture. To know God. Jesus came so that we could be what? Reconciled back to the Father. So that we could know God again. Jesus says come to me and I will make that knowledge available to you. I will share the knowledge of my father with you. Come to me and you will get to know him. But not before you come to him. So three things to notice from that, from that verse. The audience. The invitation. And the promise. 
In Matthew chapter 11, there's an audience, there's an invitation, and there's a promise. So, who is the audience? The audience, you who are weary and burdened. That's who Jesus is speaking to. So, if anybody in this room can relate to being weary or burdened in soul, then Jesus is talking to you. You are his audience that he's referring to. So, let's look into the soul. I'm anxious, says mine. I'm aware of dangers these days. Heart says I'm heavy. I've given myself in love and I've been broken. I'm frustrated too, says the imagination. Look at this now. I'm constantly looking for new possibilities for the future, but as soon as one of my dreams are fulfilled, it's soon forgotten, and I have to think of another one. In other words, it don't satisfy. As long as the imagination is, it, when the imagination, the imagination is just like a child. Okay, I got a new bicycle, man, whoa, Christmas time, boy, they ride, man, they have a good time. Or for the, for the new generation, I got a new iPad, or I got a new uh, Xbox. So I got this new toy, and man, oh, this is the best thing that ever happened. Six months after you get through that thing, it's sitting on the other side, and our imagination said, man, they got an Xbox Five. That's an Xbox Seven out now. That was an iPhone 14. I'm still stuck with 10. <laughs> Imagination says, I got to get me one of those. So now I put aside 10 and now I got to go get 14 because the imagination says, I need something new. And so when I get 14, I realize, oh man, it just got a few more things that, that 11 had, 10 had. And so now, what, 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 what's the next new thing? And imagination is never satisfied. And it's got to keep coming to that well to get something. Because none of this stuff is going to satisfy. Conscience is also struggling. He knows the things that should have been done and is struggling, but no one wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Conscience. Memory is full of regrets and wishes some things had not happened, but can't forget them. And heart weeps because nobody's doing can do anything about it. So you look at this soul and it's all distressed, it's all broken up, and Will knows what he wants, but he never gets it, and he always hears the word, ought. You ought to do this. You ought to have done this. And so the question is, is this happening to any of you? Every member of the soul is seeking something different and is leaving the entire soul frustrated and restless because nobody if you get a board you get on a board and you go in a boardroom and everybody got a different idea what are they going to accomplish that's what your soul is going to do jesus speak to the weary and burdened and if you have any restlessness of soul he is speaking and talking to you the second thing is the invitation the invitation. Look what he says. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And he said what? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He said, come to me. So I think most of us have come to the place where we believe this and we have figured it out, sorted it out, that we will never be able to get this straight without God. Have y'all come to that conclusion? You ain't going to get your life fixed without God. Not going to work. Not going to happen. Amen. So the problem is, are we really sure? Do we really know what it means to come to Jesus? 
how do you do that and what does it really look like to come to Jesus? Psalm 62 and 5 says this, yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Okay. Now, he's not just believing something. He's doing something. He's speaking to his soul. He's talking to his soul. He's bringing his soul to God. So let's look at two people and let's look at their soul. Two people. Okay. Let's get Larry first. You know, everybody always use John and Mary. I decide I'm going to use Larry, whoever Larry is. So Larry was brought to church when he was young. And he cannot remember a time when he didn't believe. He believes in God and in Jesus Christ. He believed Christ died for a sin and was raised from the dead on the third day. He is in business and that business is very important to him. He has a wife and two children, but guess what? His business is still top priority. It's still important to him, okay? Now, he attends church regularly, regularly, but can't seem to get motivated, and yet there's a hunger in his soul. So, what happened in his soul? Let's look in his soul. Early in life, now this is his soul, mine said, Mine said, mine came to believe in Christ. But guess what? The imagination was never captured. The imagination never got involved. Never got involved. Imagination was chasing the, the business. Imagination was still pursuing the business. Heart was never engaged and cannot get motivated. So there's what? A division in Larry's soul. Now, mind believes, but the rest of the soul has never been persuaded. So instead of the whole soul coming to Christ, only his mind came. Only the mind. And the rest of the soul is restless. Okay? So, now, let's meet Linda. Linda went to a youth program in church where she made some good friends. Some of her friends came to Christ, gave testimony. She was wishing that it would happen to her. She prayed about it and, time, and, 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 and nothing, she prayed and nothing happened. And then at a camp, it happened. The others were singing. And at that moment, she knew God was real. She could feel what? The love of God in, in her heart. Now, look what I'm saying now. Larry, the mind. Linda, the heart. She was in a meeting and she felt the love of God and she knew in her heart that God was real. But guess what? She prayed a prayer of commitment and everyone was happy for her. 20 years later, she raised two children and through, and though she's happy being a mother, her soul is still restless. So let's Look at her soul. At times, God seemed to be so far away. She wondered if her experience in, the, in earlier was, rush, was a rush of enthusiasm. So let's look at her soul. Okay? She came to Christ with a heart, and there's no doubt about her experience. But guess what? Her mind was never engaged. 
Remember now, you got to have all these things working together. So her mind was never engaged, and the understanding was not in control at the time of faith, and so because it wasn't in, in, in control, it's not in control of the doubt either. Okay? So the emotions for her was everything. She got to feel something. And her emotions also in, are in control at the time of doubt. So she's had a different experience at the emotional level, and it amounts to what we call mood. Because when only the heart is engaged, the rest of the soul is doing something else. So now I got to feel something all the time. And so she responded with a heart to Christ, but not with a mind. And heart says, it's real. I felt it. But mind says, I don't think so. Mind is doubting it. And guess what? Heart will eventually give in the mind because what the heart can embrace, the mind won't believe it. It won't believe. So when Jesus comes to me, he was speaking to her, to your whole soul, not just part of it. Now, if you miss everything else, get this right here. Get this right here. The Holy Spirit may begin a work at any level, but it can't end there. It only begins there. This is what I'm telling you. Okay. With Larry, it started where? The Holy Spirit was able to engage him where? In his mind. So he believed that Jesus was the son of God. He believed that he died for his sin. He believed that he rose on the third day. He believed it where? In his mind. That's where the Holy Spirit engaged him. But guess what? That was not the end. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, he said, now, the Holy Spirit began with you in the mind. But he said, now, you got to work with him and get the soul, get the will, the imagination, the conscience, and you got to get the memory and all these others engaged in it and let the Holy Spirit engage them so that the whole soul is coming to Jesus. Think about Think about uh, Linda. She came to Jesus with what? Her heart. In other words, she felt the love of God in her heart. In other words, the Holy Spirit entered there. That's where he started, in the heart. But guess what? She still got a mind. She still got a will. She still got a conscience. She still has an imagination. and She still has a memory. And if the Holy Spirit does not engage all of those, everything about her salvation is going to be feeling because it only deals with the heart. And if it only deals with the heart, there's going to be times when she feels God and feel saved, and then there's going to be time when she does not because the rest of the soul is doing something else. It's doing something totally different. And you see, and see, the Holy Spirit works where he can. Some of us, he drew us by conscience. 
you realized that you were a sinner, so he drew you because he was working on your conscience. But guess what? There are five more members that if you don't engage them, Conscience is going to beat you to death because guess what? You're going to keep sinning, you're going to keep making mistakes, and the devil going to wear you out. So when the Holy Spirit, he uses all of those avenues. He uses, he, he may enter through the will, he may enter through the conscience, he may enter through the memory. You, he did with me with memory because guess what? I was sitting at home and I was thinking one day and I said, man, it's been two years since I've been to church. And my memory said, hey, mama raised you to go to church. So that's how he drew me back with memory. But if all he gets is my memory, my will, my imagination, and all these other members are going to be doing something totally different. And there's going to be restlessness in the soul. So conversion is not the conversion of one member of the soul. It is the bringing of the whole soul to Jesus where we find rest, where we find salvation, where we find peace, where we find joy. And, if, and see, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit and work with the Holy Spirit to continue to work with the rest of the members of the soul, guess what? You are a divided man and you are unstable in all of your ways. When I started looking at this and I was looking at some of the stuff that I was dealing with and going through and I was like, God, and I don't want you to be discouraged because it's, it's going to take time. It's a work. It's a process. But you got to start somewhere in trying to get it done. The problem is that we were we were not taught this. We were not told that I had all these members of the soul that need to be engaged, that the Holy Spirit is going to, he just came in through my heart or came in through my mind or worked in through my conscience. But now he has to work with the rest of the members and everybody in the soul has to submit to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when it does not, the soul is divided. And we want to know why we don't have peace. We don't want we want to know why we don't have we don't prosper and we don't have that joy. We want we don't understand why when we come to church, I mean, I just don't feel it. I just I'm just not feeling it. Why? Because the heart's not engaged. The heart is probably thinking about something else that makes it feel good. The Holy Spirit has never been allowed to rule the heart, to pour. It's love into the love of God into the heart so that it can be reflected back to the world. And, and the heart says, man, this, this is boring. And the memory says, man, I remember a time when I was in church. Man, we were dancing all over the place. We were jumping. We were running. We were doing all this stuff, man. And this man just standing up in here talking. He can't even hoop. Man, I, I remember those days in the mind. See, the mind all somewhere else. And see, you wonder why when you come to church, you're so divided and, and, and we can't get into worship because your soul is so divided. It's scattered everywhere. It's, been, it's all over the place. Your heart wants to be engaged because you love God. But the memory says, man, I, whew, I remember a time when, boy, we used to stay in church all day and we used to do this and we used to do that. And imagination says, man, whew, I can't wait till this happens. And then you got all this stuff going on inside of you, and then you wonder why 
Then you blame the church. Blame the preacher. When truthfully, the problem lies on the inside. So some have never found rest because we never come, came to Christ with the whole soul. And if the whole soul cannot agree, it cannot act. There can be no decision. The life cannot go forward. It cannot progress. That's why you find folks that been saved for years and never changed. Because they never allowed the Holy Spirit to work in the soul. They still think the way they thought. The mind's still doing what it used to do. And see, I'm telling you, all of it lines up. Think about it. Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by what? The renewing of what? He said you got to get the mind engaged. The mind got to be connected with everything else. The imagination. Think about 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He said, casting down imagination and every high thing. Casting down what? Imaginations. In other words, there are going to be some imaginations that's going to come into your mind that you got to get rid of. He said, bringing every what? Thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, I got to control the imagination. I got to cast down the imagination and I got to control the thought. I got to work to bring this thing in line so that my life can radiate with Jesus. Amen. Like Marcus said last week, I can't just pick apart. That's right. And see, that's why we see little snatches and grabs of Jesus in people's lives. Amen. The Holy Spirit works. He moved that person that, that, that got saved by the heart. Every now and then he moves on that heart and they do something. They be like, oh, that was God. That person that got saved by the mind. He moves on that mind and they'll do something. And they'll be like, that was God. But see, he wants to move on the whole soul. He wants the whole soul united so that it can move and work and do what God wants it to do. Deuteronomy 30.10, just reading the part in blue. Turn to the Lord your God. See, we read all these scriptures, but we didn't know what it was talking about. Turn to the Lord your God with all what? Heart and with all your what? Soul. That's what he was commanding, see? When you read in, in, in the New Testament, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He said, all of this stuff got to work together. And we're thinking that it's, okay, how do I do that? You know, and, and we come in and we go through the motions, but we got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in the soul in order for there to be a change in the life. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 again, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will do what? Give you rest. Give you rest. Okay, so we got the audience, we got the invitation, but look what Jesus said. Not part of you, but all of you, what does it look like? Jesus tells us, okay? eleven twenty nine. he said, do what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. He said, now, now he's giving us another instruction. He said, now, the first thing you got to do is take my yoke. Okay, what is the yoke? Take my yoke. The yoke was a harness that they put on two animals to keep them straight. Okay, they're going put, to put this harness around the neck. From what I've seen, it was like, it was like made out of wood. And they, they are tied together. One can't. If one go ahead of the other one, guess what? He putting a bind on that other one's neck. So they got to stay together. And guess what? By doing that, the lines are straight. They're able to plow a field. So they had a purpose for yoking them together. So 
So when Jesus invite, when he's inviting you into a yoke with him, he's inviting you into a binding relationship. He said, he said now, we, and, and this is where we are. We want to walk with Jesus, but we want to go in another direction when it gets hard. <laughs> Just like Peter. Peter said, Jesus, I'm willing to die with you. He said, I'll go anywhere with you. And then when G Peter saw he getting ready to die, Peter said, oh, hold up a minute. He, read, he, he read, let Jesus go that way. I'm going this way. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. See, he was only yoked with him while life was good, while Jesus was working miracles, while he multiplying the load, while he touching his mother-in-law and healing folks and doing all these things and blessing people. Peter is on board, man. But then when they, he saw Jesus beat, beaten and, and whipped and all this other stuff, when they got ready to take him to a cross, and Peter, Peter, remember, he said, Lord, no, 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 God forbid that you should die. I'll die with you. And then when his opportunity came to die with him, he said, oh, no. Mm -mm. He wanted to go another way. He wanted to go another way. So if that's where you are, there can be no rest for your soul. When we come to Jesus, we got to yoke ourselves to him. And that means we actually bind ourselves to Jesus. We bind ourselves to him. And we're saying this, wherever you go, I go. Where you lead, I follow. What you say, that's what I'm going to do. And remember this, it's an exclusive relationship. You can't be yoked to multiple people at the same time. Take my yoke. You get bound to him. But guess what? I have to detach myself from others. And the problem is we never get yoked to Jesus because we're already yoked. I've seen folks, man, they, 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 they come to Jesus, but they got this boyfriend they're crazy about. And, 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 and once he starts acting a fool, they can't follow Jesus no more. They can't follow him. They, they stop coming to church because of the boyfriend. They yoked to him. And I'm going to tell you something. I prayed this this week. I said, God, help me to break those unhealthy soul ties. See, we make connections with people. We've been yoked to people that we need to be broken from. Sometimes we've been in relationship with people and never asked God to break those yokes. And we got to ask God to break those yokes so that I can be unyoked from them and be yoked with him. And we don't need to be yoked with nobody. Nobody but Jesus. He didn't say, see, see, it's a two-yoke thing. It ain't a three-yoke thing. I can't bring my wife and my children and everybody else and all of us be yoked with Jesus. It's going to be you and Jesus or it ain't going to be you and nobody. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, I can't be yoked. I'm already yoked to pleasure. Already yoked to popularity, already yoked to self, and worst of all, I'm already yoked to me. I want to have my own way. I want to do it my own way. There has to be a decision made to break up the other yokes and a choice to be yoked to Jesus. There is a purpose for yoking the animals together. And why did they yoke them together? 
to plow the field. But guess what? The yoke makes it possible for us to play a part in God's purpose for our lives. It delivers us from doing our own thing and missing the very reason why God brought us into the world. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus himself dealt with these things. When he was in the garden, he said, Lord, take this from me. I don't want to follow you there. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. There are going to be some times when you're going to have to say that. And so the yoke can cause pain. If you, you're trying to go one way and Jesus is trying to go another one, guess what? It's going to be painful. But let me tell you this. In the last day, you're going to be glad you were yoked to Jesus. In the last day when Jesus manifests himself, you're going to be glad you were yoked to him. Now, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, he said, now, the second thing is you need to learn from me. Learn from me. So the question is, now that you're yoked, you got to start learning. You must become a student, and you got to ask yourself this question, am I ready to learn from Jesus? Am I ready to learn from Jesus? Are you ready for him to be your teacher your, and to guide you into all truth? His truth, not your own. And listen at this. Are you ready for him to determine what he's going to teach you? That's important. See, we want to, you know, most mo folk, mo folk, they, want, they, they pick their Bible studies, they, they choose their Bible studies, they choose what they want to study. And let me tell you something. You, you, you might well go and sit with me and watch Gunsmoke and eat a hamburger. Because if Jesus is not working in that area, you're trying to do your own thing. He, you got to let him determine what he's going to teach you. See, I think I need to be taught this, but he knows my heart and knows that I don't trust him. So guess what he's going to put me in? He's going to drag me into a situation where I got to trust him because that's what he want to teach me. You might want to go and learn about prosperity and faith. But Jesus has to become the teacher. How many of you go to school and sit up in the teacher's class and say, hold up, teacher. I don't want to hear nothing about math. I like science. Not realizing that it takes the math to get to the science. It takes what Jesus is going to try to teach you to get you to where he's trying to take you. He knows where he need, you need to be. He knows what you need. We think we know. But you got to let him, you got to let him determine what he is going to teach you. Find your own church that preach whatever you like. Find your own Bible study there so you can learn all this good stuff and have a head full of knowledge and a heart full of nothing and Jesus ain't doing nothing in your life. Go where you want. Do what you will. But don't sit up in here crying when you can't find rest for your soul. You got you to let him be the teacher. And he will not answer your every question. 
I know all of us got questions, God, why this, why that, why that. Let me tell you something. It's just like my mama tell you, you just do what I told you. You don't need to know why. I, I, go, to, I go to work, I go to work sometimes, and I, I be dealing with people, and they'll be like, well, well why, you got, why you got to move me? Because I said so. And I give you the option. This is what I got for you to do. You don't want to do this? You want the other option? Other option is get out of here. I cannot go to work and pick and choose what I want to do. Folk trying it every day now. I don't like that job. That's what that young man said to me the other day. He got mad with me. Why are you picking on me? I said, okay, you're late from break, you got your phone out, and you put the parts on wrong. What am I supposed to come and say? Good job! What you want me to do? That ain't picking. I told him, I said, now, if you eliminate those three things, the only thing you would have got from me today was, how you doing? Most folk that are doing their job, that's all I get to say to them. Hello! Can't pick and choose what you want. Here's the audience. The audience. Weary. That's all of us. The invitation come to me. Not part of you, but all of you. Take my yoke to fulfill his purpose. And then you got to become a student and allow him to teach you. How many ever heard the phrase, that person just ain't teachable? Unteachable. Yeah. And this is the promise. He said, if you'll do those things, I will give you rest, and he will not fail on his promise. He said, I am not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. If I said it, I'll do it. If I spoke it, I will bring it to pass. Come to me. Jesus comes into the soul. Here we are in the soul again now. Please get this. He comes into the soul, and he's going to speak to every part. He says, mine, come to me and allow me to be your teacher. Listen at this. He said, will, come to me and let us get yoked together. Guess what? That's what happened with Jesus in the garden when he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Because he was saying, he said, now, I got my will, but I'm going to yoke my will to your will. And therefore, guess what? The will of God is going to be done. Remember what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Pray our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy what? And then he said in James chapter, John chapter 1, verse 5, verse, James 1 John 5, 14, he says, if any man asks anything according to my what? He knows that he has the petition that he desires him. And so what is he saying? He said, I, I want our wills to be yoked together. Listen, folks, there's only one will going to be lived out in your life at a time. Not two, one. It's yours or it's God's. And you can declare yours over here with the devil. So yours and the devil are yours and God's. So he said, Will, let's, let's get together. Come, come to me. Come to me, Will, and let's get yoked together. 
And then he said, look at what he said. He said, he said, now imagination come to me and embrace a new dream that's bigger than your work, bigger than your family, bigger than your pleasure. He said, embrace a dream of living your life to the glory of God. And this is where it really gets good. He said, memory, come to me. Come to me, memory. The past is the past and you cannot change it. He said, the past is the past, you can't change it. It does not have to be your prison, it can be your launching pad. Jesus is saying, I can redeem your past, memory. I can redeem your past. Think about this, let's go back to that. He said, he said now I can redeem your past. I can make your past be a, 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 a tool for ministry. The thing where you messed up, he said, I can take that and use it for the glory of God. But he said, you got you to let me come in. He said, conscience, come to me. Bring that burden. Listen at this, folks. It's not whether you can forgive yourself or whether others can forgive you. What matters is, is that God forgives you. Amen. And I need that for my conscience. And he said, if you come to me, I will forgive you and give you rest. He said, heart, listen at this, folks. He's talking to the heart now. He said, I have something to show you. He said, look at my hands. Look at my side. Look and see, I love you. And I want to pour that love into you. Look, so that you may reflect it back and that you may show that love to a broken and room wounded world. He wants to fill our heart with the love of God so that it can be reflected and shown to a wounded world. Listen folks, the only way the soul can be together is to come to Christ and then, and only then, can you find rest for your soul. Nowhere else, no other place, no other way can you find rest for your soul? All of the members of your soul has to come in line. The Holy Spirit has to come in and take that seventh chair. And he have, you have to allow him to speak to will and memory and, and heart and conscience. And you gotta allow him to speak to them. And then they have to submit. And let me tell you something. It is, it, it, it's, it's, it's a war, it's a battle, it's a fight. It's not gonna happen overnight. We've been doing stuff we've been doing for years, feeling a certain way, acting on our feelings, moving on our emotions, and doing things that we've been doing, and it's going to take God. you got to pray and ask God to help you to see inside your own soul. Amen. Because you don't even know what's going on in you. You don't even know. The Bible says in Jeremiah, he said, a heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know his own heart and mind? He said, you don't even know yourself. You don't even know yourself. And I'm telling you, as I have been venturing into my own soul, I've been watching and I've been speaking to my imagination. Certain things come in my mind. I say, hey, man, get, hey, get you off track. And I find myself, my imagination going in, in crazy places. I say, ah, my, mm -mm, come on back over here. Come on back here. Come on back here. Heart trying to fear. Uh-uh. Come on. No, no, no. Come on. Come on. 
The devil trying to beat down consciousness. No, he's already forgiven me. He's already forgiven all my sin. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make conscience come in line. He gonna, he gonna, he gonna try to make me feel condemned. Yeah. I gotta say, um, no conscience, no conscience. I gotta talk to my soul. And as you do, and I'm telling you, I'm not asking anybody to come to this altar, but I'm telling you where you are, come to Jesus. Yeah. And don't just give him part of you. Like I say, some folks, he enter in through the mind. I, I, I believe in my mind that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he is raised from the dead. I believe he died for my sins. I believe all these things in my mind. But guess what? You got to engage the heart, the memory, the conscience, the will. You got to engage all the other members of the soul so that they all can be there and be at, you can be at rest. He might have came in through your heart. You felt the love of God one day and the Holy Spirit entered in through that. But you can't stop there. That's just the beginning of the work. You got to let the Holy Spirit work on all the members of the soul. He got to fix your conscience. He got to fix that memory because I'm going to tell you something. Every time you set out to do something, the memory is going to bring up something where you failed. He's going to bring up something where you were defeated or you couldn't make it or where somebody lied on you. He's going to bring up something to stop you from progressing. And you got to say, no, 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 no. I'm allowing Jesus to reteach my memory. He cast all my sin in the sea of forgiveness, never be remembered again. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. I don't have to remember that. And we are, are allowing these things to dominate and dictate to us life and it's preventing us from fulfilling and living out the will of God for us. The reason why we were created, the reason why we're here. And I'm telling you, I don't know about y'all, but I'm asking God now where I stand to help me. I know what Paul meant. I know what he meant. When he said, oh, wretched man that I am. I know what he went, meant when he said, I want to do the right thing, but I always find myself doing what I don't want to do. A, a soul in conflict. A soul in chaos. A soul struggling. I want to live for Jesus. But then my heart's been broken. And I can't feel it no more. I don't feel it. I, I, I used to feel it. I used to be passionate about Jesus, but my heart's been broken. Let me say to you, Jesus wants to heal a broken heart. Your conscience about things that you've done, things that you've done before you came to Christ and even after you came. But Jesus wants to forgive. Some of our consciences have been seared to the place where I don't feel that conviction when I do wrong. Jesus said, I'll take out of you that heart of stone and put into you a heart of flesh. But you guess what? You got to come to him. You got to ask him. You got to appeal to him. You got to cry to him. You got to ask him to do these things. It's not going to happen. And don't think that when you gave your life to Christ, it all took place. That's why he tell us in Romans to, to renew our mind. That's why he tell us to work out our salvation. 
These things got to be worked out on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit has to come in and take that seventh place and he has to have total control. You got to allow him in the darkest of situations to teach you things. You got to trust him and believe him. And I'm telling you something, you're not just going to need this now, you're going to need it on your last days. You don't want to be that person that when you're faced with death, that you're just clawing and crying and scratching. You want to be at rest. You want to be to the place where you know I'm going now to be with Jesus and I'm not afraid to lead his world. I'm not afraid of where I'm going or what I'm about to face. I know where I'm going. I know who's waiting for me. And it only comes when you have peace and rest in your soul. And it only comes from Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we just so bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. I thank you that you said, if any man would come unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. Lord, I, I can't come for nobody else, but I'm coming for myself. I'm asking you, and I've, I've asked you throughout this week, and the weeks that we've been studying the soul, I'm asking you to help me, to save my soul. Help me to get all these members in line. Help me to come to the place, Lord God, where every part of me loves you, trusts you, obeys you, yields to you, submits to you. Help me. Help me when I know when I ask for your help, you may take me through some difficult and dark places, but help me to stay there when you get me there. Help me to understand what you're doing when we are in that place. When my heart says, I don't feel him, let me know that you're still there. When my conscience says, he's not, he's condemned you, help me to know that you've forgiven me. And to be able to walk through and to gain strength and confidence and assurance and peace and freedom. I bless you for it. I praise you for it. And I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.